Well, for those of you who uh, joined us yesterday for our family summer bash, it kind of had a winter twist to it. We uh, (laughs) showed up with visions of surfing and that sort of thing. We had to unplug all the water toys because it was so cold outside. But uh, we had a great turnout. Thank you all, everyone who showed up. That was so much fun uh, seeing you guys and being together. Um, we, uh, last week, we uh, this gave me the total 72. We had 72 baptisms last week. Woohoo! Um, this week, we were, uh, our family went out to eat, and uh, when the server came over, uh, she said, can I ask you a random question? And I was like, No. No random questions on Thursdays. And she said, are you the pastor at Grace Center? And I said, yes. And she said, ah, I thought you were. She said, back in 2019, I came to your church, I got baptized. I was like, really? And she told us this whole story about she had walked away. Well, she wasn't even a believer. And uh, someone had, uh, had talked to her about the Lord and she heard about, somehow she heard about this church. And so she comes, she gets baptized, didn't know anything about baptisms, water baptisms or anything like that. She said, I don't know what happened to me, but she said, when I went under the water and then came back up, she was like, all the weight that I was carrying, because she was talking about being depressed, she was talking about being, uh, I, don't, I don't, maybe close to suicidal, but, but and, and she really did not like people at all. And she said, all of that lifted. So she said, I'm sitting there soaking wet going, what just happened? She said, I get out of the tank and I walk out towards uh, the restrooms. And she said, I hit the floor. So I didn't know what happened. She said, but I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. And she said, I didn't even know what that was. So she, she, so she goes, she gets dressed, she comes back out. And she said, then at the end of the service, whoever got up there and was talking about, if you need healing in your body, she said, my back was hurting. They said, just raise your hand. So she said, I raised my hands and all the pain lifted. And so she's like, that was incredible. She said, that happened at your church. I'm like, oh my word, like this is 2022. Like why, why? anyway, so I was, so be blessed. Uh, things are happening. So anyway, I thought that was a cool story. Um, so I, I was, we were greatly, uh, we gave her a big tip. Uh, so anyway, so, <laughs> but it just made my day. So anyway, I, um, <clears throat> we are going to look at something today and, uh, let's pray. Father, Lord, we come before you in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus, for your blood. Thank you, Lord, for your redemption. Thank you, Lord, for all the things that you paid for, for us to be able to have a direct line access to you and the Father. Lord, and thank you that your word says that where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am right there in the midst of them. So, Lord, based on the faith of the word, of your word, we welcome you. Thank you, Lord, for being here. We pray, Lord, Holy Spirit, would you do what you do best? And that's lift up the name of Jesus, bring encouragement, and all of the heavy stuff go in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to start out with a a nice little saying that I'm going to... Oh, I've got to turn this on. That's not your fault. That's That's my bad. Well, it still doesn't work. So let's do this. 
Let's read this. I'll read it. I'll read it to you. Every area in your life that does not glisten with hope means that you are believing a lie. And that lie and that area about the future is a stronghold of the devil in your life. Happy Mother's Day. (laughs) It's a great Hallmark card, isn't it? Every time I read this, I'm like, oh my word. It's one of those, those, those sayings that just kind of fillets you. You know, it just kind of opens everything up. Every area in your life that does not glisten with hope means that you are believing a lie. And that lie and that area about the future is a stronghold of the devil in your life. And so you might say, well, so let's look. Every area that doesn't glisten with hope means that you are believing a lie and that lie and that area about the future is a stronghold of the devil in your life because we serve a God who does not have the word impossible in his dictionary. A stronghold might ask, what's a stronghold? It's a fortified belief system that defends its right to want to be there. A stronghold is a fortified, it means it's built up. This belief system has support that defends itself, defends its right to want to be there. It's a scientific fact that our brain will prove what it knows to be true. Our brain will prove it. So if I have the belief that I am a failure my brain subconsciously all throughout the day will support that belief by the information that I gather from either the people around me or the situation or my circumstances that proves what it believes to be true, that I'm a failure. All this is happening on a subconscious level. Here's another good one. Hope is the overall optimistic attitude that good is coming based on the promises of God. It's the confident expectation that good is coming based on the promises of God. Not based on whether we feel it or not, it's based on the promises of God. So, having said that, the writer of Hebrews says, therefore, Do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. So I want to talk about this morning, I want to talk about the life cycle of a promise. Each promise of the Lord has a life cycle to it. And so God in his wisdom has seen fit that each one of us be trained and taught in the school of endurance. Happy Mother's Day. We are, he has seen fit that you and I go through the school of endurance. This is actually a good thing. You're looking at me like, oh man, I didn't want to go to the dentist this early. But this is a good thing. So it's important that we understand God and particularly we understand his ways because each promise from the Lord has a life cycle to it. 
Now, the life cycle can look something like this. There's, there's a beginning point. This is when he initiates or he births, if you would, a promise to us. Then there is a, what I would call like a development stage that we go through. So we, we are maturing. We, he is drawing us into this promise that he's given us. But before we can get there, we actually have to grow up or grow into that promise. So he causes us to go through different stuff. And the, and the whole time, he is focused on our character and our character matching the promise. Because if your character is not strong enough to hold the promise, we'll, we'll topple over from our gifting. So there's a birthing stage, there's a development stage, then there's a fulfillment stage, and then there is a restoration so what I mean by restoration is, is sometimes throughout the process that we go through, this, this developing, this maturing stage, we, sometimes we go on a journey that takes us completely opposite of the direction that he's pointing to, to where we're headed. The promise is saying we're going to the right, but he takes us on a path going to the left, and we don't understand that eventually it's one big circle. But it looks like we're going in two opposite directions. And so, um, so, but this restoration, I just want to say, is where God leaves us in a better place than where we started. All right. So, if you have your Bibles, I want you to just look at this verse. Uh, Revelation 1, 9. I've referred to this several times. Revelation 1, 9. says, I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering, the kingdom, and the patient endurance that are ours in Christ Jesus or in Jesus. There are three ingredients that the Lord in his wisdom introduces into our life in the mixing bowl of our life that are made up of these three things, the suffering, the kingdom, and the patient endurance. And so you say, Jeff, what do you mean by suffering? When I'm talking about suffering, I'm talking about the fact that we are children of light, that we are children of God. If you didn't know this, when you became born again, you were born again into a war. You have a natural enemy. Someone's trying to take you out or at least stunt your growth. And there's this warfare that happens. Just being a believer, just walking around as a blood-bought child of God, there is a natural headwind that comes against you. There are things that, that just that irritates the enemy. And there's a certain suffering to this. Uh, I'm not going to get into this. There are some some streams of thought or some, yeah, streams of, you will say that like that. Some streams of thought say that if you're not suffering, you're not doing anything for the kingdom. And so there's a real emphasis on suffering, on the suffering aspect of being a believer. And so that's kind of how you kind of tell if you're doing good or not is if there's stuff coming against you. If there's warfare coming against you, there's a lot of emphasis on that. And I'm not discounting that. But I'm, I'm, I'm emphasizing that to say, if that's the only thing that you're focused on, 
according to this verse, it's out of balance. There's a suffering aspect. There's a kingdom aspect. The kingdom aspect is the the stuff that we love, the love, joy, peace, the goodness, the, the healing, the, the nearness of God. It's like, oh, just the, the worship. It's like, oh, this is amazing. And there, there's a stream of thought that's out there that, that talks about uh, uh, if you're having anything less than this, then that means you're out of kilter or off whatever. And so, so you can't talk about warfare. You cannot talk about suffering. You can't talk about because everything's good. And again, if that's what we're focused on, according to this scripture, it's out of balance. The third one here, it talks about patient endurance. And patient endurance is this, what I would call the now versus the not yet. It's the promise of God, something, he's, something is coming my way that he has promised me, but I don't see it anywhere on the horizon. And it's been so long since he said that, I'm not sure if he really meant it. But we all know that it talks about in scripture, talking about the Lord in Titus 2 chapter 1, it says this little phrase, and God who cannot lie. So if he said something, he cannot lie, just because I don't see it doesn't mean it's not going to happen. But this, this thing between the, the, the promise between the now and the not yet is called tension. Tension. Because according to my watch, this thing should have already happened. You know? So the reason that I'm sharing this is that if we get to the place where we are tired of holding on to what he has promised and where there's a temptation to let go, this would be your confirmation from the Lord to continue holding on. So. Let's look at the life cycle of a promise. We're going to look at it. We're going to take this from the life of Joseph. So in Genesis chapter 37, if you want to follow along in Genesis 37, I'm going to try to outline the four stages, if you would, of the the life cycle of a promise. So in Genesis 37, verse 3 says this, one night Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him more than ever. Let's stop right there. Everyone knows who Joseph is, I think. So Joseph was uh, uh, the 11th son of Jacob. Jacob had two wives, Rachel and Leah. He got tricked into marrying Leah. He really loved Rachel, but Leah's and Rachel's dad pulled a trick on him. So the night that, that he gets married, uh, uh, he wakes up and behold, Leah is there. And he's like, well, this is not the one I wanted. And, and so Jacob said, well, according to our culture, we can't allow the, the, the younger one to marry before the older one. So uh, after this is over, I'll give her to you. Just give me seven years of your life. And uh, so he said, okay, great. <clears throat> so, so immediately Leah begins to have children. Just, um, I mean, boom, 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 boom. And throughout all this time, 
uh, when she's having children, she is, she is before the Lord, or she is thinking, ah, oh, surely Jacob is now going to turn his heart towards me because I'm giving him children. And he kind of did, but he never did. And so then she had so many, and then she stopped having them, and then she gave her uh, servant over, and then uh, the servant started having uh, children. All this time, Rachel never had any children. Well, finally, Rachel gets pregnant and has a son, and his name is Joseph. So you can imagine Jacob's been looking forward to having children with his first love, which is, uh, which is Rachel. He finally does, and it's Joseph. And you can imagine how endeared he is, his heart is, to this boy, this little baby already. Well, Joseph grows up and becomes just, a, a, he's a stellar young man. And, and uh, it becomes apparent to, to the brothers that he's the favorite. Partly because he gives him this tuxedo coat that nobody else has. That I mean, there's no, there's no tuxedo shops anywhere, and it's a multicolored tuxedo. And it's like so you can see this boy come. Not only is he dad's best favorite child, but when he walks through the field, everybody around knows. Hey, who's that guy out there in the rainbow looking? Well, that's the favorite son. So they already had this animosity against him. And here it says, one night Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers, they hated him more than ever. He said, listen to this dream. We were out in the field tying up bundles of grain. Suddenly my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine. His brothers, who took the dream interpretation class, <laughs> said, so you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. So they're looking at their brother in this multicolored favorite jacket that everybody wants. And not only does, is he, he's flaunting. He is flaunting the fact that he is the favorite. He's had this dream. We're supposed to bow down and he's talking about it. And so they hate him even more. So... The dream, or better yet, the promise, it was a promise from God that they did not realize that God in this dream was initiating a promise that he purposed to fulfill. So this is the initiation. Soon Joseph had another dream. And again, he told his brothers about it. Listen, I've had another dream. The sun, the moon, and the 11 stars, they bowed low before me. This time he told the dream to his father. Joseph was a slow learner as well as to his brothers, but his father scolded him. What kind of dream is this? He asked, will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? But while his brothers were jealous of, G of Joseph, his father wondered what the dreams might, might, uh, would have meant. So here we see God is speaking very loudly about a promise. It's come now twice. Let every word of the Lord be confirmed by the mouth of two or three witnesses. God was initiating a promise to Joseph, and this word, or this promise, had initiated a process in Joseph's life. And it's going to take Joseph on a journey that he was not expecting until the word was fulfilled. One of the things that happen is that, well, let me just say this, sometimes the promises of God can bring adversity among friends and family. In this case, it happened with Joseph. So, so his brothers hated him so much, they, they're out in the field, or they're, they're out somewhere, and uh, they're shepherding their sheep, and then 
uh, Jacob says to, to Joseph, hey, could you go check on your brothers? So he's traveling days or what? We don't know how far away it is. They see him coming in a distance, and they're so filled with hatred. It's like, let's kill him. We could kill him. We could make it look like it was an accident. Dad would never know. Then one of the brothers said, I think we might be taking this a little bit too far. So what they did was they put him in a well or in a cistern. And then it says, uh, when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traders, came by, Joseph's brother pulled him out of the cistern and sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver. And the traders took him to Egypt. So first of all, there was an initiation where God gave him a promise. Hey, this is going to happen with you. And then he begins to take him on a journey. And the first phase of this development or this maturation stage was betrayal. First thing that happened to him, he was betrayed by his brothers. I don't, I don't know if you've ever been betrayed before, but it's one of the most hurtful things that you can go through. The people who are the closest to you turn on you and cause you to become the enemy. Are you with me? So betrayal is something many of us have gone through. So whether it's by friends or family or coworkers, doesn't matter. Leaders, uh, when it happens, it's one of the most hurtful things. So Joseph is betrayed, sold for 20 pieces of silver. When Joseph was taken to Egypt, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was the captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph. So he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of the Egyptian master. So Joseph now, is, as he started on this journey, and the destination is the fulfillment of the promise, the first thing that happens is, is that he's betrayed. The second thing that happens is, he's de- demoted from his place of prominence. He had a certain place of prominence in his family. Now he's demoted, nobody knows him. He's demoted to the lowest place, which is a slave. Now, if I were Joseph, I'd be thinking, wow, how does this line up with everybody else's sheaves bowing down to my sheave? This makes no sense at all. But you need to know, sometimes God will put us in a place of demotion on purpose. Where we are being hidden, or he will put us in a place where people cannot see you. People said amen on that one. He'll put us in a place in a season where you don't stand out. I remember, um, I remember this TV commercial several years ago, and uh, I can't remember, it, but the, the gist of it is this. So it's kind of like a shipping company, almost like a UPS or a FedEx, and the board, people are sitting around in a boardroom, and they're thinking, and uh, this one guy says, I got it. And they said, yes, what is it? He said, how about if we use green tape to tape the corners of our boxes? That way, everybody will know, you know which company it is that's, sh- that's shipping their stuff. And everybody said, nah, no, that's not a good idea. So they're like, okay. So they're sitting there. Another guy goes, I got it. They said, okay, yes. They said, how about if we used red tape and we, 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 we taped up the corners of the boxes so that when our boxes are shipped, everybody would know it's our company. And they said, that's a great idea. And the other guy in the green said, that's what I said. And I said, no, 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 you didn't say, you said green. And I was like, ah, oh, you ever felt like you're not being heard? The Lord will put you in a place where you are not, you feel like you are not being heard and it's absolutely on purpose. 
Happy Mother's Day. So, Joseph was demoted from the favorite down to the slave. But the Lord saw Joseph and the Lord was with Joseph. Continue reading. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in Potiphar's eyes and became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household. He entrusted to his care everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and of all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So we see something We see that no matter where Joseph is, this thing that he had early on in his life called favor followed him. Didn't matter how high or how low. The thing is, is that the favor, the the thing I think that I I love about Joseph, he was the same whether he was promoted to the place of prominence or whether he was at the lowest place, so to speak, of the totem pole, being a slave, he was the same. He served the same. As a result, favor followed him. There's a way to find favor. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over over everything he owned. With Joseph there, he didn't have to worry about a thing except what kind of food he was going to eat. Then he throws in this, Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. So not only did Joseph have brains, but he was good looking. And this set up another area of testing in the development of Joseph's character because Potiphar's wife was interested in Joseph. So Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Hello, sailor. She says... That's not what she said. But she she is trying to get him to sleep with her. So God is wanting to see if Joseph would be devoted to him or would he give in to temptation. How would he handle temptation? Given the opportunity, would Joseph be the same person in private that he was in public? Are we the same person in private that we are in public? Look at Joseph's answer. But Joseph said, look, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? And look what he says. It would be a great sin against God. Not that it would be a great sin against her or against Potiphar, but against God. Well, as the story goes, he passed the test with God but because Potiphar, when Potiphar's wife realized that she couldn't seduce him, she actually accused him unjustly of trying to rape her. So he passed that test, and he, so he goes from there to prison. So now he's gone from the pit to uh, uh, he's gone from the pit to Potiphar to prison. So everything, the sheaves, everything, the dream, the promise, everything, the direction, his life is, he thinks it's going this way and his life is actually going just the opposite way. What was God doing to this man? Good grief. In, look what Psalm says, Psalms 105 says this, and he called for a famine upon the land. He broke the whole staff of bread. 
He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They afflicted his feet with fetters. He himself was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. God set him up to be the second in command in Egypt, but the way that he was going to get there was through this road of tragedy <laughs> where he's betrayed, sold as a slave, unjustly accused, and now he's in prison. All of this was lined up in the life cycle of this promise because the Lord was trying to get Joseph's life to fit the word. Joseph's life had to fit the word before the word could fit Joseph. In the New Living Translation, it says this, until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. Graham Cook has got this favorite, this, this, this great quote, people tear down with their character what they've built with their gifts. God had to test Joseph's character. Well, it continues on. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. So no matter what kind of injustice that we go through, the Lord will always be with us. He will always be with you. Look at that verse. He showed him his faithful love. Can I just tell you, he sees you. Well, before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. So just to fast forward, so the story goes on, and the baker and the butler, the king's baker and butler, were sent to prison uh, just for something that they had done. And uh, they wake up one morning, and Joseph sees that they're kind of puzzled. He said, what's going on? He said, well, we had this dream last I had this dream last night. He says, oh, what was your dream? Well, uh, you know, three days, this, this happened, and, or, or something. Let me just skip to the, to, the, uh, to, the good, to the point of it is. Joseph interprets their dream. They go back to the palace. One is beheaded, one is killed, the other is promoted. As the two are going back into serve Pharaoh, Joseph yells up the stairs, "Hey, when you get up there, can someone tell someone tell somebody up there about me and my life because I shouldn't even be here." Right? Well, they forgot. And it says, "Now it happened at the end of two full years that Pharaoh had a dream." And I'm like, two whole years since Joseph had interpreted the dreams for the boys upstairs? Two whole years? Like, why? Why? Why so long? Why put Joseph through all of this, God? Like, what in the world? This is so unfair. Again, another great quote. God does not measure time. He measures growth. Happy Mother's Day. So Pharaoh has a dream, and, and the, uh, the butler's like, ah, oh my goodness, shoot. There was this guy in prison when you put me in prison two years ago. 
I had a dream. And he interpreted the dream and everything came true. So Joseph interprets the dream. So when he interprets a dream, Pharaoh asks his officials, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the spirit of God? And what happens is he promotes him. But in the timeline of the word, God's word is fulfilled. So it's gone from this birthing to this hard phase or the school of endurance that is developing, where God is developing Joseph's character to fit that word. And then finally, the fulfillment comes true. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. You will be in charge of my court and of all my people, and all my people will take orders from you. Only I, sitting on my throne, will have a rank higher than yours. Now, can we just stop here because we, we read this? Do you know how insane this is? The fact that the king of Egypt is talking to a prisoner and he said, you know what? I'm going to put you in charge of everything. Like, that's absolutely, like, if, if that happened today, the first question that we would ask is, what are you in prison for? Well, this guy's wife said that I was trying to make a move on her, but I really wasn't. So, oh but you're in prison. It's like, this is absolutely insane. And say, only God, only God can take someone from the lowest place and promote them in an instant. Can I just tell you something? Who you are and who I am is caught, it's not taught. You can't tell me who you are. Joseph couldn't tell them who he was, that he had to be caught. And just at the right time, Pharaoh caught who Joseph was. And then suddenly, as it talks about in Malachi, the suddenly happened. From the pit to Potiphar to prison to the palace, the promise was fulfilled. And if you keep reading in verse 43, when Joseph was in his chariot, people would shout out when they saw his, his chariot coming through the streets, bow down, bow down. The exact same thing that God had shown him initially about the sheaves bowing down, it was actually happening in real time. So God had taken them from the initial, the birthing, the development, but that's not where he stops because there's a restoration. The final stage is where God leaves us in a better place than where we started because we read here, Joseph gets married and he has children of his own. Look at this. Joseph named the firstborn Manasseh, for he said, God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. He named the second one Ephraim, for he says, God has made me fruitful in the land of my affliction. So where God talk, brought him back around and restored him, he left him, he dropped him off at a better place than, where he, than when he took him. So God had made him forget all the ones that had caused him grief and trouble, and God had made him prosperous in the very land of his troubles. Can I just say, God wants to do the same thing for you. The final stage is restoration. God restored Joseph's memory, his emotions, his soul, and his spirit to a better place than when he started. 
Look at the work that the Lord did in, in Joseph's heart. So Joseph gets reconciled to his brothers. We all know the story. He hid himself, tricked them, and then he responds to them. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many people alive. Our past is not the problem. It's the conclusion that we've made about the past that's the problem. God, look at the work that God had done in Joseph's heart. All the hurt, the betrayal, the misunderstanding, the lies, the mistreatment, the having to wait. Joseph saw in all of that, God was in it the whole time. Can I just tell you, God is in the middle of your life the whole time. If God has made a promise to you and you find your life going in the opposite direction, just know that he's busy causing your life to fit his word or his promise. And his purpose in doing so is to fulfill what he has actually spoken to you. And God, who cannot lie. So, Happy Mother's Day. If you find yourself in this position, just know that you are in the right place. He's got his hand on you. He has not forgotten about you. Your destiny is still in the crosshairs of his eye. All right, God bless you guys.